Uh, welcome once again. Uh, we have been in a series called uh, Drawing Closer to God, and we've been using uh, the book of James for that. And this little four-part series, uh, just drawing in to some really practical advice from James, the, the stepbrother of Jesus. And James, uh, a Christian leader in the New Testament church, uh, became a martyr because of his faith for that. Had a, uh, had a, relig- a, a Jewish background. You see a lot of the uh, reference to the wisdom literature in James's um, uh, writing and also just some practical teaching uh, that reflected what Jesus taught as well. Uh, I always like to do James because uh, Paul, the writer of most of the epistles in the in the New Testament, the, uh, the two thirds of the of the epistles are written by Paul. Uh, sort of juxtaposed against James. Uh, if you took a college class on the New Testament theology, you might have had a the, uh, a professor that tried to tell you this is why you can't believe the Bible because. The Bible can't even uh, agree with themselves because it seems like Paul and James contradict one another, but I don't think they contradict one another. I think they pick up an important strain of faith that's relevant to the, the writing they're doing. Paul, big emphasis is we are saved by grace. It is not the law that saves you. It's not our works that save us. There's nothing we can do that allows us to earn a position with God. There is not a, 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 we are not better than other people. Your attendance in church this morning uh, does not earn you a higher level of, of love from God. It is by grace and grace alone that we are saved. And I believe that wholeheartedly. James offers not a counterpoint, but a substructure behind that. Because the danger of, of, if, if, if that's where we, if we take it wrong, and, and Paul even addresses this, like in Romans, well, if God's grace is applied to me, even if I don't deserve it, then why don't I just sin all the more? So his grace can abound in me. And even Paul says, absolutely not. Or in the Greek, hell no. (laughs) That's not what we are called to do, right? James sort of underpins what, what Paul is arguing against there. Your faith means nothing if it's not backed up with good work. Faith without works is... Dead, dead, right? And so I, I don't think they contradict one another. I think they they are different aspects of the same beautiful gem of our salvation. But in that, James sort of zeroes in on what we do, and I and I, that's part of why I like doing studies on James and and teaching about James. It's just the the practical nature of it. And, and he has these repeated themes that, we, that we're addressing. We've, we've talked about the divided nature where we live in one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And, and God says you can't have a divided mind. You can't have a divided heart. You can't have a divided faith. Be one. Don't, don't live in two different worlds. He talks about the, the necessity of us to be humble and to examine ourselves, to put ourselves under God's authority so that he can he can work with us. He he talks a lot about not being judgmental and and showing love to others instead of being hateful to one another. This morning we're going to f- focus in on on two words that go together. It's 
It's a wisdom and humility. Wisdom and humility. The wisdom of God and humility being the way that we get that. Wisdom, uh, uh, Old Testament, lots of wisdom passages, the book of Proverbs, uh, some of the other writings in the Testament talking about the wisdom of God. It was uh, an ideal that you sought after. It's still an ideal we seek after, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is more than just knowledge of God, right? It's not just information that we have concerning God, but it is more like a self uh, 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 a soul-fulfilling assurance of who God is and how He works. And and in our world, in our humanness, we often think too highly of ourselves. Um, and, and that's called pride, which is the opposite of humility. And in our pride, we often miss out on the wisdom of God because we don't make room for it. We are pretty sure we're set where we are, thank you very much. And we don't need the help of God. But wisdom, that's not wise. (laughs) When you close yourself off from the source of wisdom, how wise are you being? In order for us to be wise, we need humility. We need that ability. We talked about it the first week. That self-examination, that looking at ourselves to say, you know what? We're broken. You know what? Given the chance, I'm going to decide wrong. I need God. Humility, hard to define, hard to identify, especially in yourself. Because as soon as you begin to claim it, you've lost it. Right? I'm the most humble person I know. Oops, no, I'm not anymore. (laughs) Right? It's demonstrated in Jesus. We, we get the best picture of it, I think, in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This ancient hymn of, of the church where they rehearse Jesus in his humility that being God but not wanting to cling to that, he came as a servant, as a slave, humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And for that was killed. And buried. We call that enosis is the theological term. It's an emptying of oneself. Jesus was willing to empty himself of his divine nature in order to serve us. And humility, when we seek that, is a similar aspect where we look to empty ourselves of our human nature and our human knowledge and our human smartness, we empty ourselves from that so God can fill us with who He is. Let's let's dive into the Word. We're going to be in uh, James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom, and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. 
For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So John, James jumps right in and says, okay, so if you're wise, and a lot of us would say, yeah, I'm pretty wise, been around the block. Well, then prove it by how you live, right? This is following up on that idea that faith without works is dead. Belief by itself changes nothing. Saying, I believe in God. Saying, I go to church. I mean, all of those, it's not that they're bad things, but that doesn't make a difference in your life. It doesn't matter if you do 18 Bible studies a day, if you never apply what you learn in those Bible studies to the world around you. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church every, every week uh, since, you were, since you were one year old. It doesn't matter if you don't begin to take on the nature of Christ and apply that. If you have, if you want the wisdom of God, prove it by how you treat one another, right? We, human nature loves to wrestle with one another. We end up on the opposite of what God wants from us. And he, he talks about that. Uh, he says in verse 14, if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Right? This is, this is how we do life, uh, as human beings. It's, it's how our political process works. We all think we're the smartest people in the room. And if everyone would just think the way we do, then it would be good. And we fight about this in politics and everywhere else. We, my team is better than your team. And my team's right and your team's wrong. And until your team thinks like my team, your team is wrong. And I'm going to vote so my team wins and your team loses. And we hate that team because they're wrong and we're right. And at the end of the day, they're both wrong. And we're all just spinning down the toilet. Boom. And that's how... And and it's it's... Smart people with good ideas and they lift up their, their platform and what they stand for and da, 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 And it's human. But see, the kingdom of heaven operates upside down from the kingdom of the world. The, the kingdom of heaven is not based on power dynamic. The kingdom of heaven is based on the love of God, right? And while in the world, Influence and arguing and fighting and the biggest show of force is who wins. Actually, in, in the kingdom of heaven, it's the opposite that is the most powerful, right? It's, it's those who approach it with gentleness and mercy and kindness, which we would call weakness, right? That's not who we want to elect. We want the guy that will fight for us. Or the woman that will fight for us. Because that's what's right. We love to have a battle for what's right. And how many times do we win that? 
Lori and I have been married for 35 years. And I'm almost to the point, almost to the point where I don't think I have to win every argument. Right? And that's not for a lack of, of data, right? Common sense tells you, experience tells you, my friends tell me, my kids tell me, everyone tells me, step down, step back. You don't have to be right. And I don't know if we're the only ones that fight over stupid stuff, but half the times when you look back and you're like, we were really arguing about that? But there's this thing that just has to stand up to prove that we're right because that's honorable. But James said, no, that's not honorable. That's demonic. Because you're broken. I'm broken. We're broken. That sin nature in us, that human, that humanness within us, it leads to a place we don't want to be. It goes against everything we think. That's why the kingdom of heaven is turned upside down, right? If you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to be the greatest, you must present yourself as the least. If you want to gain your life, you must first lose it, right? It, it's that tatamount kingdom value that, that goes against the nature of who we are. The wisdom of God does not look like the wisdom of man. And because we're so prideful and because we're so stubborn, we miss out on the wisdom God has for us because we're, we've got it in our mind that we've got it under control. And it's not until like Jesus emptying himself to become a servant, suffer a death. I mean, think about this. If anyone had the right to come and demand that everyone agree with him. It was Jesus. But instead, he came in the form of a servant, right? And asked us to do the same thing. Humility, as, as, it's, like I said, it's hard to define. One way of looking at it is that you, you, you think less of yourself, right? That you, you're sort of wilting in your own assessment of yourself. And there's, there's truth in that. C.S. Lewis loved to say it's about thinking uh, less about yourself, right? That you put others' needs in the midst of it. We, we can use all sorts of words, but when it comes down to it, we look at Jesus and how he interacts. I mean, how many times, even as a young kid, 12 years old in the temple, how many times could he have gone, you all think that's what God is like? Oh my goodness. Let me tell you, right? That's not how he did He didn't find the need to prove himself because right is right. doesn't need to prove it. It's leaked into the church and it's not just a, nor a, a, a modern thing. This has been going on for, for as long as people have been there, but it, it leaks into our religious life as well that we are sure that our understanding is the way that it's supposed to be. And those who disagree with us are wrong and going to hell. And we, 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 let me just say, no one, no human being other than Jesus Christ perfectly understood the Word of God. Not one of us. That doesn't mean we don't have insights and there's not theology that we can study and all that kind of stuff. But none of us have it 100%. None of us get to say, that's the Word of God and that's the way it is and I believe it. No, that's the way you understand it and you interpret it. That doesn't mean that's 
I mean, over and over, you see how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees and religious leaders, and he said, you say this, but I say that. Because we have this way of misunderstanding and interpreting through our own bias and to our own benefit how the Word of God is applied to us. Verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. If you flip back in James to chapter 1 uh, in verse in verse uh, 16, uh, Brooklyn, uh, that's James 1.16. So don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God the Father, who created all the lights in the heaven, or the Father of lights, other version says. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by creating his true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. James in chapter 3 says, God's, God's wisdom is pure. And it comes down to us as pure. He, he talked about it in chapter 1, that anything that comes down from God is pure. That God is light. There's no shifting shadows with God. There's no darkness in God. Whatever God does is right. The best thing, and we're going to celebrate it later in the sacrament, the best thing that's ever come down from God was the pureness of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That is truth and just wrapped in one package. Right? The wisdom from God is what comes down from God. That's what we see. Not our own agenda, not our own way, not our own understanding. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to disgrace. Pride is a very, very dangerous thing, but it's a value we as Americans love. And we, we even teach, I, I think we get uh, messed up between self-image and pride. And there's a healthy self-esteem that is an understanding that I'm a child of God and God created me and I'm not a mistake and he has plans for me. That's a healthy self-understanding and a self uh, a self-esteem. But we push the line in this country to, and I'm better than most people, right? Pride is a dangerous thing. And pride is is going to lead to disgrace. Whenever we start to think that we're better than us, you're, you're on a dangerous road. Uh, Lori and I have been listening to a podcast, <clears throat> and it's, it's about the megachurch movement and the rise and fall of some of the pastors in that, in that system. It, it sort of mirrors my time in ministry coming into, uh, coming into ministry, going to seminary in the 90s. Uh, the, the emergence of the mega churches and stuff. And, and in that, as, as these, uh, sort of celebrity pastors have stepped into prominence, more than a few of them have crashed and burned in disgrace for moral discrepancy and stuff. And, and this podcast is examining that and interviewing, uh, folks in that. And the reason 
I find it interesting is because I'm not leading a mega church or anything, but uh, pride is an issue for all kind of leadership, right? And especially when you hold a microphone and stand in front of people every week with the Word of God. If you're not careful, you, it you, it starts to become about you and stuff. And and as as this podcast has developed, sort of the underpinning element is a lot of those folks started off with good intentions. And the church was healthy, but it it got to a point where it was no longer about building the kingdom of heaven. It was about building a platform for the person and their recognition. And to me, that's something I want to be very careful of. And you don't have to be a pastor to fall into that trap. Whenever we begin to take spiritual truth and leverage it for our own platform, we're in dangerous territory. Pride leads to disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. It's, it's, it's those people. Billy Graham is, is one that comes to mind. The, the first of the evangelical super preachers, right? As sort of the one that many of those in the, in, in that mega church movement, that was sort of the inspiration behind that. And for as much as we know, he wasn't perfect by any ways, but for as much as you know, he was able to maintain a humility throughout his ministry. Which then had an effect on hundreds and thousands of people. In this podcast, what, what, what you find out is when you do it the other way, you leave in your weight the destruction of people who walk away from you, right? Pride leads to disgrace, but humility comes wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 15.33. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Fear of the Lord, uh, we, we always need to sort of check that for our culture and stuff. It's not a fear like, uh, oh, don't like a flinching fear. New Testament tells us the Spirit of God drives out fear, right? He's He's for us, not against us. He's our Heavenly Father. He's working on our behalf. So it's not that kind of fear. It's more of an on respect of who He is, right? Of understanding just how much authority and much power He has and what He could do to us and be just in doing it and how He could have dealt with us it's that it's that respect of how he loved. and the more that you that you acknowledge who God is and you're willing to to see him in relation to you the more you're going to grow the fear of the lord teaches wisdom the more i grow in my faith the more i know i don't know very much other that then god is good right it gets more and more simple all the time. The complexity of all of the other gets boiled down into Jesus loves me this and that. It, it's that wisdom. His, his love is the essence of who he is. When, when we start to, to fight over that other stuff, I think we're on the humility precedes honor. If you go back to Philippians 2, that passage I said with kenosis where he empties himself, suffers death, even death on the cross. At the end of that, it then says, because of his obedience, 
and his faithfulness that God will elevate him and glorify him so that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's an elevation. There's an honor in humbleness. You, you try to grasp it yourself. You're not, you're, you're going to, it ends in disgrace. Pride ends in disgrace, but wisdom and humility is honorable, right? It's again, that kingdom value that turns the world upside down. In order to be the best, you need to be the least. In order to have the most wisdom, you have to admit you know nothing. You have, we, in order to be filled, you must first empty yourself. All of these concepts, it's counterintuitive to who, where we are, but when we're able to do it, God blesses you beyond what you might believe. If you ever do a study of, of uh, James and you read commentaries, they're going to talk about how James refers a lot to the Sermon on the Mount by his uh, stepbrother Jesus. Uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, most notably Matthew 5 through 7, collection of Jesus' teaching. They name it Sermon on the Mount. Was it a one sermon? Maybe, probably not. It's more likely a combination of all the greatest hits of Jesus's ministry that he taught over and over and over again. Uh, James picks up on a lot of this, and I'm, I'm not able to read the whole Sermon on the Mount to you, but I'm going to read the Beatitudes to you. It's that, that first list of, of behaviors that Jesus said, this is what my followers look like. And I want you to hear the echo of James's teaching in his brother's teaching. Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, beginning in verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Another way to say that is God blesses the poor in spirit. This is humbleness, right? When If you're rich in spirit, you're pretty sure you got everything you need. You're not seeking anything. But if you're poor in spirit, you realize there's a deficiency there, and you need something that only God can give. Blessed are the poor who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. Wait, but it's the strongest that inherit the earth. No, the humble will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or for righteousness, for those things that are good and right. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. All good things come down from God and are pure. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. So get angry, yell at them, take them down, show them who's right. No, that's not what it says. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. 
And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same. One last thought. Verse 17, going back to James 3. The wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. May it be so with our soul. Amen. This morning we get to celebrate Holy Communion, that pure thing that came down from God, this His only Son, to show us what righteousness and love, mercy and kindness and gentleness looks like. As he was gathered with his friends that that night before he gave his life for us, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, passed around the table and said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, I want you to remember me. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks, passed around the table and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, I want you to remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you bow with me? Let's pray together. Oh God, we are so stubborn and we are so sure we are right and it gets in the way of what you're trying to do in us and in the world around We want humbleness to be a part of our vocabulary. But our only hope, oh God, is you. Help us to empty ourselves before you right now. And we pray, fill us with your holiness, with your righteousness, with your goodness, with your gentleness, with your mercy, with your grace, with your love. It is our desire to be at one with you. And because of that, we want to be one with each other and we want to be one in ministry to all the world. And we look forward to the day when you will return in victory and we get to sit at the heavenly banquet table and cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Fill us, O God. We want your wisdom, not our own. And we pray that in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.